Welcome to the Menopause Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Willis, author of Cookie Dough in the Dark and Vibrant Living with Tanya. Menopause is like going through puberty again. Your body is changing, your hormones are shifting, but instead of being a lost teenager, it's the perfect opportunity to reinvent your life and take stock of your emotional, mental, and physical well-being. Gain wisdom, be empowered, and learn the strategic skills and the inner work that can be done simply so that the last half to third of your life is vibrant and amazing. Subscribe and share this podcast with your gal pals, and thank you for joining me. Hello, everybody. I am with the beautiful Monica, and she is not an online person. In fact, she's sitting right beside me. Uh, just drove to my house, and we're going to have a, an amazing interview uh, or chat today um, about living life and periods of mourning and acknowledging that we're not going to live forever. But before we dive in, Monica, welcome and introduce yourself. Thank you very much. Um, it's a gorgeous spring day. What a drive. Oh, good. Over. Um, so my name is Monica Jardine. I uh, own and operate with my husband, Jardine Funeral Home in Fenland Falls. I've been a licensed funeral director for over 30 years now. And yes, uh, uh, Tanya is a wonderful friend and I have seen her professionally uh, for a number of years and and uh, we would talk and she would try to work me out <laughs> and uh, get me motivated. And, uh, and of course, uh, she just motivates on a daily basis. That's just what she does and who she is. And so I'm very thankful uh, that she's asked me to come and uh, come to her home and have a chat with everyone. Oh, perfect. Perfect. So, you know what? I was just in Savannah and I think I reached out to you. So we're taping this in May and I was in Savannah and I think that's when I messaged you maybe but a bit before I said, yeah. Monica, can you come on my podcast? Cause I really want to chat with you because what was happening is I was walking my dogs in graveyards every single day, which is very cool <laughs> by the way. Which I think in my earlier, like in my earlier years, I avoided graveyards because it's scary. It's uncomfortable, but I'm reading all these tombstones yeah, and they're I'm fascinating, they're, aren't they? Oh, they're fascinating. I'm like, you know, wow, people lived like there was like one cemetery. There were people there. Like it was old, like 15, 16, no, I think it was the 1600s. And some people had very long lives. And then there was some people that didn't, but there was, there was just, I don't know, it really awoke this in me, which I've been thinking about for a long time, because everything's a process. But like, I'm in my 50s, what should I start to think about? And I thought, <laughs> I'm going to phone Monica, because <laughs> this is what she does for a living. Yeah. Yeah. So, so mm. I think as women, we probably start thinking of that a little earlier than perhaps our partners or our spouses. Um, because it's just normal for us to be planners and it's mm. normal for us to be thinking. And if we, if we look back on our lives, you know, we go through this period of awakening when we're teenagers, and then we go through this period of awakening in, in our twenties. And then before you know it, some of us are married, some of us are having children, mm -hmm. uh, the life cycle starts um you also during that period of time um at least for me there were periods of anxiety because um god forbid a child should pass mm -hmm. and i still think that i know oh my god i know and that to me is my worst fear and that's what caused uh, a major part of my anxiety through my 30s and 40s um and then it just brings us around to a point where, you know, we're thinking about life. We're thinking about the possibility of death. Um, you know, we also are at a point of life when we move through uh, that period of time, we're now, we're awakening again. We're, mm -hmm. we're in perimenopause. We're moving through many menopause. We, we're looking at our spouses change. We're looking at ourselves change, our mental health our bodies are changing in front of us. 
And so part, you know, if we get back to walking through a cemetery and, and, and in the morning process, like, I know for me, like, I do mourn my past self. Mm-hmm. I mourn uh, that I can't necessarily do some of the things or have the endurance that I had in my 20s and 30s. But I'm kind of stoked to be where I am. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm healthy. I uh, may not have the same energy, but my brain still has the same energy. And I think I'm just using my body and my talents and just in a different way. So, you know, now we've awakened in our 50s um, with the the new us. Uh, But getting back to your point about walking through the cemetery um yeah we our minds tend to think that hey we are not going to live forever Mm -hmm. we've had children we are we are married some of us are in second marriages some of us have blended families and then the question comes well what's going to happen how am I going to age Mm -hmm. am I going to age well um what are some of the things that I want to do as I age what do I still want to accomplish And then ultimately is end of life planning. Mm -hmm. And so if people can start thinking about end of life planning, you know, maybe, you know, in their mid forties, fifties, and that's not saying that, you know, you're anticipating a death anytime soon. I know. And I would get scared to do that. Like, I'm like, I don't want to think about my will because then I'm, I'm going to die. Yeah, I don't want to plan my funeral because now I'm like bringing that into my awareness, and now I'm going to die. Yeah, and so we avoid it, and there's fear. There is a, there is a lot of fear. Yeah, but I do know for those people who have come into the funeral home, who have um in their 40s and early 50s, and just say, listen, I just want to get something started. I want to plan. I want to do X, Y, and Z, and then I'm going to let my children make all the rest of the decisions. Mm. So then they walk out knowing that, that the, the necessities of what it is to physically handle that human body and make some decisions around that are looked after. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's an important step. So I too love walking through cemeteries (laughs) and um, a holiday would not be the same if Rob and I did not stop and walk through cemeteries just because uh, the old monuments, the way they were made, the way they're tipped in the ground, you know, you see a date of birth, you see a date of death and you think, man, what did they live through? Yes. You know, and then usually you see, you know, if it's a larger family memorial, there's usually children who have predeceased them and you know, I just, I think it's um, a marvelous place just to ground ourselves. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know what? I love that to ground yourself, to realize like, am I living my life right. the, the way I want to be living it? Right. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, one day we are not here anymore. Yes. Right. In yes. this physical form as yourself. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when you say that the, um, Glenn and I were walking through the graveyard and this one person, I don't remember their name or anything, but was, was lived from like 1897. Was it 18? Yeah. To like 1997. Like he was yeah, old. Years, yeah. Right. And I was like, look at the things he experienced. Like that was a century to be alive in. Yes. That was un- like the amount Listen, of changes. We're living in an amazing time <laughs> in history too. Yeah. So they're going to be saying about that when we're six feet under. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They're going to think, listen, they were born in 70 something. Look at what they lived through. They lived through a computer. They lived through a cell phone. They yeah. lived through AI. Well, look at my phone here. I still have a rotary phone on my desk. <laughs> Kids don't even know what those are anymore. Oh, okay. So just talking about this, I love, I love, I love because Glenn and I were walking through the Bob Cajun uh, graveyard the other day and we saw, um, um, plots and stuff like this. And we started to ask ourselves questions because we're not from here. Right. And we're like, where do we want to be buried? Mm-hmm. And then we're like, well, we'll, we'll get buried here. But I think we're also, I don't know if I'm going to be here when I die. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so how does, how does 
like there are definitely people who live in an area they stay in that area yeah. like you and can they will die in that and area. they will die yes. in that area yes. and then there's a person like me that I don't know if I will still be living here mm-hmm. but I think I'll still have some roots here but I I don't know is it worth us buying a plot or do you do that now or what do you do so I think it's definitely worth exploring Mm prearranging you would come in you would have a chat we would get you know all your vital statistics so name address social insurance date of birth parents names what you did for your occupation we'd get we would record all those important things and then just start exploring what options you have so uh, we have a lovely planning and price guide. It's available on our website. People can just go to it and download it. We're very transparent in our pricing as all um, funeral homes are, but um, we would just start exploring some of those thought processes for you. So, you know, obviously, uh, do you wanna be buried? And if that's if that's the case, then you would need to buy cemetery property. Or do you want to be buried, but not necessarily in a formal cemetery? Would you prefer a green burial, which means now you're more looking at natural earth Mm. and you would also then require going to a cemetery that has natural um, earth burials. Mm. So you're not using a concrete vault. You're not necessarily using a wood casket. Maybe you're using a shroud or a, a, a container made of willow, willow. So, you know, if you're, if you're, if your mindset is you want to be buried, those are options, the traditional burial in a cemetery or a, what we call a green burial. Mm. Um, and then we move on to cremation, which is obviously a flame cremation. Your cremated remains would be returned to you. And then your family would then hang on to those cremated remains until they made a decision yes, we are going to buy cemetery property at such and such a cemetery, or we're going to buy a columbarium space. So for those who don't know, a columbarium is an upright uh, structure in a cemetery where they do above ground burials Mm -hmm. in little uh, niches. Mm -hmm. Um, The other option is um, people can scatter their cremated remains. one of the newest options that we have now for flame cremation is uh, to take those cremated remains, we send them off to New Mexico to a company called Parting Stone. And for those of you who are in front of your computers, I invite you to go to YouTube and just type in Parting Stone. And then when you have a moment, I'll watch some of the video clips there. But Parting Stone um, takes your cremated remains And may I also just add aquamated remains, and I'll get to that in just a second, but they take those human remains and they mold them and into beautiful stones. Mm. And so what happens is they get sent to that facility. They stay there for three to four weeks. Um, They, uh, YouTube will show you the process on how they, they form them and kill them and then return them. So an average human body might return, you know, 40 to 50 um, stones, which Mm. is an interesting way to be able to then um, share yourself Mm -hmm. with the people in your life. Mm -hmm. So some people have said, uh, you know, that they take their stones with them on a trip, and they will leave them in different places around the world. We had one fellow who was a scuba diver and he and his spouse um, enjoyed that. And so they plan on uh, taking uh, her cremated remains uh, when they travel and and share them around the world. It's not interesting because this goes back to my point of, you know, when we in the olden days, I'll just say like, community really stayed together mm-hmm. and now we're much more we're much more all, like by I you know my mother's lived in a different country since I was 16 my mm-hmm. family's very scattered mm-hmm. so what could happen is you could take these stones and you could give three or four stones to and then what happens is there's something tangible for you to hold on to mm. you can slip it into a pocket you can slip it into a purse you can leave it in your kitchen window 
um, mm -hmm. as opposed to what most people do with cremated remains when they decide to keep them home is they end up in a closet mm -hmm. and then, you know, 20 years later you open the closet and go, oh yeah, we didn't do anything <laughs> with grandma. Um, so, and then let me just move past, uh, the option of parting stone is, uh, just like for flame cremation, um, there is a new water based, it's called, um, alkaline hydrolysis or short form, we call it aquamation. And so what happens is in that process, they use water instead of flame in order to reduce your body to ash hmm. or to human created remains. So the outcome is the same. So when we think of the scope of how we're going to deal with your body, it's either burial in a ground, in the ground, we're going to flame cremate, aquamate, or a green burial. And then anything beyond that is what your family wants to do in order to memorialize you and to celebrate your life, your accomplishments, mm -hmm. whether that's having a garden party, mm -hmm. <laughs> whether this that's real life, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> whether that's having a garden party on your property, whether that's holding a celebration of life at the Legion, whether that's having more of a formalized ceremony in a church or in our funeral home, those are um, all options. But if, if people are interested in getting to that point of making some decisions, it really just is a conversation, just like you and I are having a conversation yeah. right now. That's awesome. Just, just so that you can start formulating a plan. And I I know you're this way and I, I'm definitely this way. I am a planner. Mm -hmm. I'm already planning my next vacation. <laughs> I've already planned our next vacation. <laughs> so, so I, for myself, I will share personally that I, I, because I'm a little bit of a traditionalist, I am going to be buried at Fenland Falls Cemetery. Fenland mm -hmm. Falls is home for me. I've been here since I was 19 years old. Um, I love the communities of Bob Cajun and Fenland. Mm -hmm. This is where I grew up. I spent my first eight years in Bob Cajun. Um, this is home. I've spent more time here than I have in my hometown of Timmins. Mm -hmm. So, um, and my parents are here now. And, you know, I just am happy to, you know, plant myself at Fenland Falls Cemetery. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I almost, and this, at this I don't know if anybody else has this thoughts, but I'd almost rather my husband decide what he wants to do with me than me know, because I, I don't <laughs> want to know, you know, because I've thought about it. Do I want to be buried or do I want to be cremated? And I'm like, I just, I almost want somebody else just to decide in that moment. And I don't know, because obviously I'm not going to feel anything. No, it's just but, this, this, but you need something. I, I know. <laughs> So I hear you on that. Yeah. But think of all the stress you're going to I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, what if we talk about it now and to my husband and listen, you know, I, I, I kind of want us both to die at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's horrible, but I'm like, you know, I don't want him living without me and he doesn't want to live without me. Right. It's, oh my God, there's so many things that come up. There's variables. Yes. Right? 100%. And so I'm like, Okay, I, I could say to him, I honestly, but I get it. Because if me, I'm not taking responsibility. If I say to him, like, I really, it doesn't matter to me, mm -hmm. right? So, I, so I've so i got to put on my big girl pants and maybe take some ownership in this And process. whatever decision you make is not the wrong decision, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, because ultimately, we as funeral directors and we as funeral home owners are here to make the transition between your living life and dealing with your dead human body in a in a in a way that's respectable and honorable and 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 following your wishes whatever those wishes be mm -hmm. be so and i know that sounds cold and but there's there's a lot of loving that goes into that it's not we know the position and the the um what am i trying to express we know that we're we're held to a higher standard and that is our privilege as as funeral directors to be able to do those things that are so hard yeah right, right. And, yeah. and 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 facilitate 
how we take your body and decide, okay, are we doing this? Are we doing this? Are we doing this? Weighing all the options. So some arrangement conferences, when it's not done at need, or sorry, when it's not done pre-need and it's done in an at-need setting, sometimes can take two to three hours mm -hmm. because now you're, you're under the gun. Your family needs to make decisions on what's going to happen with you. And yeah, that, and that, can, that also can bring up a lot of tension and stress oh. and one child may have one idea and another may have another idea. So what I'm hearing from you is to take some responsibility and get my ducks in a row and that it'll be a much more graceful process and it'll be a gift it, to those when yes. I die because I won't be leaving them with a stressful situation right. of what to do with me. All right. And then <laughs> the only other thing that we need to make sure that you have over and above the prearrangement is that you do have a will or yes. or for your listening audience, the value of having a will. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage having a will even before you prearrange. Mm -hmm. Okay. So really meeting with the lawyer, getting that will, power of attorney all set up and then prearrange. Okay. Good point. You know what? The other thing is, is you can have a will when your kids are under 18, yes. but when they're like, you know, my kids are now 19 and 20 or 21 um is the older they get it obviously people know this but is to go back and look at your will mm -hmm. because they don't need guardianship Correct. anymore and all of that Correct. kind of stuff so, right and you're and you're you know you may have amassed more assets and whatnot so yeah it's definitely worth updating that will mm -hmm. so definitely the will and then looking at um prearranging and then even the thought of pre-funding that somehow, mm -hmm. you know, making financial plans for how that expense is going to be paid for. Um, and then following that, um, it really then becomes on how you're going to manage the rest of your things, the rest of your, your possessions, your life, your assets, you know, is there heirlooms that need to make sure that don't get tossed to the Sally Ann? So really creating a death file for mm -hmm. yourself with a kind of a checklist that, you know, in the event of a sudden death, you know, somebody could come into your office and you could say, okay, this is my death file. If anything happens to me, everything you need to know about me is there. Mm -hmm. Passwords, for yeah. social media, passwords for like have a master passlet passwords list for everything we do online. It needs a password down, right? So have that list, have your banking information, um, life insurance, financial planner, all those types of things. Just create that death file. Yeah, this is some serious adulting we're Isn't doing. It? <laughs> serious adulting. You know what's interesting? I because my husband has his own business is I said, if something happens to you, I wouldn't know a thing. And he's like, call Brian. Okay, now that works for now, yes. right? But again, um, let's just say it's 20 years from now, that will change. So again, this is like an evolving process. 100%. Well. Yeah. It should actually be, I would say life revolves in five-year cycles. Mm. So really about every five years, you should be reevaluating, not necessarily your prearrangement at the funeral home, because how we look after you at the funeral home is pretty standard in the sense, yes, you've selected cremation and you want a memorial service and you want this urn. So we've got all those bases covered. Mm -hmm. But as far as moving through bigger things, like after the cremation has taken place, what are the next steps? Who do you have to contact? How do we, you know, take those assets and, and you know, your husband for whatever reason has left you XYZ insurance policies and investments. And, you know, how do you get those transferred over into your name? And so that requires a little estate planning and that's mm -hmm. really out of my wheelhouse and that does require, but when we're talking about, you know, end of life planning, it really does encompass all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, you know what? That's, that's why it is. It, that's a process. Like this is, you know, it's like I always say: you open up a can, and all the worms come out. Like, right? It's just, it's not just one can coming up. It's like, okay, now I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this, which is not a bad thing. 
it's just, you know, there is a process and there's a lot of little things to think about mm -hmm. while we're doing this. Mm -hmm. Well, that's been very helpful. You're very welcome. Very helpful. Some things I did not know. And um, I can still feel some hesitation. I feel better now because I'm like, you know, I think I will talk to Glenn and uh, we'll start the process. We, we have been updating our wells um, and uh, I should check in with him. The other thing I must say is that some of this stuff I leave to my husband and then I'll throw my words in so I can feel that little bit of resistance to acknowledge life or right. something right and sometimes we do and I'm not picking on Glenn but there are times where uh we bring up conversations with our husbands and they will very quickly say no I'm not ready to talk about that right now and so we have to remember that as individuals we are in a marriage together mm -hmm. and just because one individual feels like some estate planning or some end of life needs to happen doesn't mean that the other spouse is ready to talk about those things. So it really does become a conversation that perhaps needs to happen several times before both of you are on the same page. Um, now, there are spouses who come into the funeral home and say, okay, my husband's not ready to talk about this yet, but I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And so let's just you know, sit down, have a chat. And of course, there's no charge to that. Mm -hmm. Call us, make an appointment, drop in, send us an email. Yeah, I'll put your website, whatever contact, yeah. we'll mention that at the yeah. end. And just at least find the answers out for yourself. Mm. Because the more educated you are on a subject, you know that, right? The more educated you are, you can make better informed decisions. Yeah. And then when your spouse is ready to have that conversation, then you can say, well, you know, I did a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've already been speaking to Monica and uh, she's told me X, Y, Z. And this is, you know, not that you're hiding anything from your spouse. You're just educating yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I love the word education because I just wrote down, move from confusion to empowerment, mm -hmm. right? And so when we get all these what get all these pieces I've taught you've been talking a lot about puzzles lately and getting the pieces of our lives and ourselves but we're just fitting one more piece of that puzzle absolutely right? or that puzzle piece into the the, the puzzle of and life isn't that how we move through life completely on a day-to-day -day basis like it, it is I found for me fitting the and I've recently only managed to fit some puzzle pieces in place yeah. where all of a sudden I'm like Okay, this makes sense now. I was just going to say that because we were talking earlier about, well, actually, I want to talk about this, but I'll just talk about this other thing for a second, is that sometimes we're doing something and we're not getting the results that we want, but we had to do that first to move to the next level. And yes. then this is exactly what you say. Then you go back and you go, Oh, that's why I learned to lose weight or sorry. That's why I learned to lift weights and maybe I didn't get the results I wanted, but now I know that piece of the puzzle and now it fits into my life without me having to go back and learn mm -hmm. how to do that. Mm -hmm. And we, I was talking about this. There's everything we do is a learning experience. There's always something that's going to come out of it where you're like, Oh my God, I'm so thankful that I did that because now I can do this. But if I don't do this, I, 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 I couldn't do this if I hadn't done that. Right. Right. And yes. so, so before we go on to living life, let's just talk about periods of mourning, because I think it's also really important to understand grief. And I, I have not, my parents are still alive. My sister's still alive, but I have lost grandparents. So that's one part of grief. But I know for myself, when my parents separated, that was grief oh, 100%. and mourning for me. Mm -hmm. um, when I moved from school to job, that was a mourning period of letting go of my child self into learning how to become an, in, more of an independent adult. When I had children, I mourned my single life oh, moving into my, 100%. to my child life. Now that my children are leaving the nest, I'm mourning motherhood. So there are periods in our life where it's not maybe a person leaving us, but there's a time in our life that we are transitioning out of. And even a business, like I closed my studio in 2020 and I went through a, a mourning process 
And those, I, I don't know if people talk about it in terms like that or feel that grief and process the grief. Can you kind of touch on grief and maybe share some of your mourning experiences and how you move through them? Well, I've definitely had my share just like you mm-hmm. of, of phases of life and, and grieving uh, different things. Um, I probably tend to have more than others mm. uh, because I, I also grieve relationships and connections that I've had mm. in the community. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I definitely have that on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, but yes, we, we all go through those periods. Like I'm, I'm recently mourning a friendship. So mm, there is an example. There's an, yes. Yes. Right? So I, I have been struggling with the fact that, that I, you know, sometimes we go through life and we, we create friendships and then for whatever reason, we move away from that friendship. Yeah. Um, it's not because of anything. No, it's, it's yeah. just because paths change, interests mm-hmm. change. It's not because you don't like the person, no. but I used to take it personally. Yeah. What's the matter with me? What have I done wrong? Yes. And now I realize it's just the evolution exactly. of life. Exactly. Yeah. So I have a couple of friendships in my life that that I still maintain and try to maintain and 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 try. But there are a few others where, you know, I'm disappointed and sad about it. Mm. But at the other end, like just like you, maybe through my 30s and 40s, I would have really overly mourned that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm okay. Yeah. Because I figure that at some point there will be a connection again. Mm-hmm. And at some point, uh, but if it doesn't happen, I've, I've resigned myself to the fact that I'm okay. I'm happy in my skin. And so that is, you know, something I'm also mourning the fact that, um, I'm looking at my parents aging. Yes. Okay. Mm. I'm self aging. (laughs) I'm, I'm looking in the mirror and I'm happy because recently, um, I've, I've lost some weight. And so I, I feel very happy that I've done that for myself. Um, but I also look at myself and go, Ooh, I'm not, I don't like the reflection perhaps that I'm seeing in the mirror, you know, some extra wrinkles, some frown lines, et cetera, et cetera. But so that's things, you know, that's a few things that I think that, and it's, it's, there's actually a definition for that. It's called anticipatory grief. Mm. Okay. And so we're anticipating that we know that we're going to be moving into a grief cycle. Mm. Okay. And so we look at ourselves aging. Now we think about our mortality Mm -hmm. and which then, you know, full circle is the beginning of our conversation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We look at our aging parents Mm -hmm. and we look at, okay, what what is the next five years look like what does the next 10 years what does the next 20 years like do they have 20 years and 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 does that look like will they be healthy or will there be illness and caretaking happening and and so we move through this you know this precarious time in our life where our children are leaving but now our parents are also aging Mm -hmm. Um, so my husband has definitely gone through that. He's lost both his parents mm. now, but um, there was a period of time where, you know, we were raising young children and kind of being sandwiched into having elderly parents. Mm-hmm. I'm fortunate. My parents are healthy. Um, they're still very active. They do everything on their own. I don't have to worry about them, but I'm anticipating that that is going to change. I'm definitely in that spot right now because my dad and Laura came down to visit us when we were in Puerto Rico. And usually when I go see my dad or he comes here, he comes in, he does the garlic, he lays on the couch, we eat, he lays on the, <laughs> the couch. <laughs> but And he moves around. But when we were away, uh, he's so mentally sharp and he plays so much chess, but he hasn't been moving as much. And he is stiff. And he was having trouble walking. And I was just like, oh my God, this is, 
eye opening. So I'm looking at the same things you were just saying, like, you know, I talked briefly with my dad, but I was just like, like, you know, do you want to start walking or because if you don't start walking, that could lead to not being as mobile, which can lead to being in a wheelchair like this. And he he got scared. Oh, did he? Oh, he got scared. Oh, he was like, oh. And so he's been adding more walking and more movement. Mm -hmm. Right. But it was it was eye opening to me because I'm just like, you know, listen, I could die before my parents. There's no age is not a predictor no, of death. No, right. No, it's not. Right. And so but I'm looking at this and going, oh, my gosh, like this is this this is getting more real mm-hmm. that they're not going to be here forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, yes, I am starting to feel that yeah. anticipatory of what's my role now So what I also think now for myself, because again, I'm an overthinker, Mm -hmm. is I think about what's going to happen to me when I'm their age. Mm, Yes. Oh, that's how I live my life. Yeah. Yes. So I think about, okay, where, where will Rob and I land? How, how are we going to age? Is the end game a nursing home? Who's going to take care of us? Like it's, it's not keeping me awake at night yet <laughs> but I do have those thoughts running through my head like yeah. what what does my end of life care look like and so for as much as that's worrisome um it's it's not a high alert worry yet for me so yeah. well this is why you know what again I see myself when I close my eyes I've mentioned this before I'm in a beautiful red flowing dress I'm in my 80s I'm kicking it up on the dance floor now, I don't know if I'm going to live till I'm 80, mm-hmm. but what I do today definitely influences my tomorrow, my next month, my next year, my next decade. And so I've had to really take ownership of my choices that if I want to be this person who is mobile and active and centered and vibrant, that I don't start when I'm 81. I start today, yes. right? I start building these habits of sleep and managing stress and working my body and eating properly and all of these things, all of these pieces of the puzzle, working on my mindset so that I can enjoy yes. this beautiful life in front of me. Exactly. And right? that's the gift that you provide to everybody who has been with you for the mm-hmm. last number of years, because in working with you um, and then a few other practitioners as well. Um, I have been able to change my mindset. I've mm-hmm. had some aha moments with you, right? Where um, where we would be on a Zoom call and we would have a conversation and we would be moving through different steps. And then I would be like, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> that just clicked for me. So one of the things, um, so obviously I've, I've mentioned that, yes, I've, I've lost some weight recently and I'm feeling much better, but I don't think that I, I think this current weight loss that I, that I've experienced is the right time and the right place Mm. for me. I don't think I could have done it, you know, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I think that my mindset has moved me to this point of self-acceptance of motivating myself to keep myself on track. So even though you and I've had conversations of creating meal plans, prepping food, drinking water and lemon in the morning, getting movement, lifting weights, like those are all things and mind shifts that, that, in the past, I was able to acknowledge and I tried to do and I tried to do and I tried to do, but it took, I don't, it took something that finally made it go, okay, I'm here, I'm doing it. All of a sudden the light bulb went off. And I mean, mm-hmm. and I did have assistance. So um, for, for those of you uh, out there, so um, obesity is a disease. Mm-hmm. And so for as much as you're, you go into a doctor's office and they say, oh, and drink more water, mm-hmm. uh, incorporate some exercise, eat less, uh, move more, eat less, move more. For me, that didn't cut it uh, because I did generally eat well, but I overate. 
and mm-hmm. and then um i felt that i always needed to treat myself because of high anxiety stress stress stressful working environment um and so anyway you know and then you go through perimenopause and then all of a sudden <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do you start putting on weight because of your changing hormones exactly mm-hmm. so i did get help through humber river mm-hmm. and i did uh the medical weight loss program mm-hmm. i didn't go for the bariatric that's not something that i wanted to do I wanted to have the uh, resources available to me, the the uh, social worker and and the um, psychology portion of it, and I had to log in every week. So those were things that finally, for me, just pulled everything together together because I was at this precipice of this point where I knew I had to do something. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that doing that intensive work for a year, like really committing myself, not half-assing it. Yeah. Okay. Going all in. Going all in. If you ask my husband, he spent many nights alone in the kitchen eating his own dinner because I just chose to be out of the house, having a walk, being upstairs, removing myself and, and working on myself yeah so you know I pat myself on the back and say yes I've done it but I again for me it's going to be a long-term choice every day every day every day Monica but it's the same for me like some people will say oh Tanya it's so lucky that you're you're you know this the size you are and the health you are I'm like it's not luck no I freaking work my ass off yeah and I don't even mean that I work my ass off that it's hard I roll I I think about my thoughts. I just did a podcast on shame this morning. I talk about peeling back the layers. It's not just about food and movement. It is the mindset piece and it's so powerful. And we were not taught emotional regulation or at least I wasn't. Nope. So you know what? I was like you, I overeat. I still have challenges where I I, I realize now that I'm left in resistance. Like I do not feel full. I don't feel I could eat and eat and eat and eat. So I consciously have to stop myself eating Mm -hmm. because I destroyed this hormone and I am working to try and figure out how to get that back on track. But what I've learned is there's nothing wrong with me. We're living in a society that promotes constant eating of shitty food. Yes. Right. And life is supposed to be fun and live in the moment. And it's like, you know what, that's fine for part of it, but there's also the self-care piece where you've got to step back and you got to go, okay, what do I need to do for myself to thrive and feel healthy and vibrant? And it takes work, whichever decision you choose. Right. So for me, when I look back at my journey, right. I put pieces of the puzzle ahead. So in like, yes, right. I know what so, you're saying. You know, like you, yeah. you, you alluded to it a little bit earlier. I was working on this part, but I needed to be down here to get this piece in before I could finish the rest yeah. of the puzzle. I have this bottom piece now. So now my mindset is in the right place and I know what I need to do in order to maintain my healthy lifestyle so like you you know and yes I would be envious envious of you I'd see you up there (laughs) you do like an up and a down and a twist and you know your body just moves so beautifully and 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 feeling envious of that to a degree but now I'm like, yeah, I, I want to get there as well, but I'm not beating myself up yeah. over it mm-hmm. because we're our own worst enemies when oh, we yeah. talk down to ourselves. I could compare myself to somebody yes. else. Like I do. I'm like, why aren't I? I say that. And then I go, Tanya, you are exactly where you need to be. Yeah. And then I step back and I go, okay, you have this puzzle, like this yes. part of the puzzle done over here. What do I need to work on? And I had to work on criticism judgment self-love I had to pull those pieces of the puzzle Mm -hmm. before I could go on another level of nutrition because we self-sabotage ourselves yes because when you're not worthy when you're when you think you're unlovable or whatever feeling that you're having 
you, you, and this, my plea was to women this year to not forget about nutrition and movement, but to let go and do the deeper work Mm -hmm. to do the deeper work. That is, I wouldn't, I, it is painful. Yes. It is sitting in discomfort, but it's an awakening. Like if you can get through that. Oh, for me, when you would talk like that (laughs) a few years ago. Yeah. Okay. I would acknowledge it. I would agree with it. I would take it in, mull it over, but I didn't know where to start. Yeah. So then I discarded it. Right. Okay. Because I didn't know how to take the verbal tools that you were giving me mm-hmm. um, and, and, and then making them work. Mm-hmm. So, but here, let me interject for a second. But first of all, now you're starting to think about what I'm saying. So yes. a seed has been planted. And, yes. and this is what I talk about. We plant mm-hmm. seeds in mm-hmm. our garden. Some show up immediately. Some take years before they show up. So but I was the years. planting the seed. <laughs> I was the years. Listen, I had decades of sugar addiction. I was I was like the slowest growing plant out there. Definitely not a weed. Yeah. Weeds are very fast. We're a beautiful plant that takes a lot of care. Yeah. But um, no, and it's this this thing of that's what I say to people, and I put this down here is the stepping stones. Like take at least take a first step. Be willing to fail, yes. but the failure turn into a learning lesson of you taking this information started to go into your cellular being Mm -hmm. and it was working. Yeah, it was working. I'll give you an example. So one of the strategies that I implemented uh, for myself um, was that I, I did some hypnosis as well. I just had, I just interviewed a hypnotherapist. Okay. So, so um, uh, she gave me this wonderful tool because very quickly she realized that I, I get myself into a sense of overwhelm. And then when I'm in a sense of overwhelm, um, I, I bark orders to my family. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sharp. I'm, you know, do this, do this, do this. And then sometimes I take on things that I need to be able to let go of. Right. And so through hypnosis, I was able to acknowledge that I was in a place of overwhelm. I would not have been able to acknowledge a place of overwhelm in my thirties and Mm forties because I was just running survival, survival. My, my cortisol levels crazy. I was, you know, just nuts. Yeah. And so I, I kind of feel like 50 has been a gift. Yeah. And I, I joked with my family. Oh yes. Well, when I turn 51, I'm really 49 and I want to age backwards Oh, I don't think I want to age backwards anymore. I'm yeah. kind of really happy moving forward into this new sense of myself. Okay. So you know what? I love that because I'm the same way. I think it's, uh, I am so grateful and I love my birthday because I get to experience another year of life. Mm-hmm. Like I soak it in. But I remember when you went to see a hypnotherapist and you said, Tanya, I don't know if you remember this, but you're like, it's not working. Mm -hmm. Remember? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you went to another one, but this goes back to my, sometimes we have to stop forcing. And, and I always said this to you that when it's meant to happen, it will happen. Yeah. Just keep putting the pieces in place, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. lay the foundation, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. plant the seeds. Well, the recordings, (laughs) the recordings that I have, I still use. Yes. Yeah. It's very powerful. So, so at the time, perhaps I was not open, but I did Mm, receive, Mm -hmm. I did receive a lot of gifts from those sessions. Mm -hmm. Right. So it may have not worked on myself then but I'm sure if I open myself up to it now that I would be in a better space but the time that I spent was invaluable right yes. it, 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 it wasn't wasted on me yeah but this is a piece of the puzzle yeah that because this is what happens people get so obsessed with wanting to lose weight that's I want to lose weight I want to this weight off and I always say to people work on the pieces of the puzzle Mm -hmm. work on the basics Mm -hmm. trust me trust me I don't know if it's going to be six months or five years or 10 years I don't know you don't know but it will come together Mm -hmm. and when I used to you know I've helped women lose over 100 pounds 
And I can remember them coming to me and, and this one lady in particular who still has kept the weight off um, said to me, my friends think I should be, I should go to another trainer because I'm not losing weight fast enough. And I said, you've got to trust the process. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not here for you to lose 50 pounds in six months. I'm here for you to lose this weight forever yeah. and never gain it back. Yeah. And she's never gained it back. Oh, wonderful. But, Yay. Yeah, but it's, it's trusting the process. Mm-hmm. It's trusting that and letting go of the end result and just putting all those pieces into place and knowing that you're moving in that direction. Yeah. So, and that can be very challenging in a quick fix, instant gratification. Well, we're all, we're, we're all, yes, we're all about quick fixes. And my mind, believe it or not, still gravitates to a quick fix. Absolutely. Um, And so again, I try to deprogram myself. I was telling my mother the other day that I'm kind of hanging in this plateau area and I don't seem to be tipping the scale downwards as much as I thought I would be. Um, and then, you know, and I was actually telling my massage therapist the exact same thing. And once you know what, the next morning I got up on the scale and I was like, oh, here it is. (laughs) I did it. Yeah. You know? So, Mm -hmm. well, I, on the plateau part of it, like I remember again, clients coming to me and they're like, Tanya. And I said, you know what? Your body has to trust you. Your body has to trust you that it can adapt and integrate what you've learned. And even though you might want to see the scale move or something, your body has to enter into this next level and then you will move through it. And that next level may be working on an emotion, right? It may be working on reprogramming a belief. Mm -hmm. So keep going. Mm -hmm. There's no, you know, when people say I've tried everything and nothing's worked, I don't believe them because right there is a mindset. And I have so many people say to me, I can't lose weight no matter what I do. And I'm like, then you won't lose weight Mm because your mindset is I can't. Yeah. And so it is, it's shifting this, shifting this. What are some things that you find um, if you want to share this? Because I actually, believe it or not, wrote some things down because again, you got to do the work. And I was writing this thing that I wanted to tape for myself for hypnosis at night And it was like, um, I am healed and make peace with my life. I am able to articulate my emotions. I am connected with my higher self. I am enough and deserving of love and attention. I attract, not chase. So I was just trying to think of some some things. And again, I just had uh, Laura Kate on and she was talking about hypnotherapy. Her interview will be just before yours, but our subconscious mind runs 95% of our day so Mm -hmm. we like you said about overwhelm you don't even realize the overwhelm Mm -hmm. right and so until it spills over right yeah and then how do you deal with that Mm -hmm. right and so when you're listening to your hypnosis thing did you make it or did the the person make it for you she made it for me. okay and did she is it custom to you or is it generalized which doesn't I think matter it, I think it's generalized okay but I mean all these things we need this this reprogramming so that's all fine is there any statements that I could sneak in mine here <laughs> <laughs> to help me move into because I said to my husband and I've said this to friends I feel like there's something inside of me right now and I hide. I definitely, I talked about shame today in, in a podcast that I did with myself, but I I have this level of still hiding because I feel like I'm not worthy enough. Mm. I'm People won't like me. Mm. And and I'm so tired of that, that feeling. I'm like, I'm tired with it and I, I want it out so I can move to my next chapter so I can actually feel what's holding me back. But I'm I'm in the process of trying to figure out how to, to move yeah. into that. Yeah. And that's that in itself is overwhelming because I think also you might be overthinking it. Yes, because that's the conscious brain. Yes. Right. And and so, so now might, I have to allow and yes. let go. Yes. And yes. 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 I do get so, that. So mm-hmm. you might just have to move past that for a little bit and then it'll bubble up again in a few months. So here's the thing I attract, not chase. And I tend to chase things sometimes because we want them faster (laughs) right like if I do this I'll get it faster and it's like believe so all the words I say to you guys 
is like, I take it into, and I'm like, I'm chasing. I have to let go. I have to attract. I have to, I have to let go. You're such a beautiful human being. You really are. So, so you work on yourself. The amount that you work on yourself Mm -hmm. is probably much more than what a lot of humans do. So a lot of people, you know, this, a lot of people just wake up in the morning and march upon their day and, and they, they're like obstacles. Yeah. Yeah. They they pop off of them and don't give much thought. Mm. So I went through a period like that, especially when I was raising children Mm -hmm. where I felt like a robot and, and I felt, um, like, like I was just managing through my day. So I kind of have this, I have this period where I call it BC before children (laughs) Uh and after children Uh for, for, for the, the AC, the after children, there's a period about 10 years Mm -hmm. where I do honestly do not remember stuff. Yeah. I will say, do you remember we did this? Do you remember we went here? Do you remember? And I'm like, don't know do you remember so-and-so that passed away yeah like I I don't know because I was just survival song I was on survival and I was a robot yeah oh I was totally there yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's that fight and flight and that's why for me the roller was life-changing for me well I still use the roller every day yeah and you have the blocks I I use the blocks and the roller every day Mm -hmm. and my body actually craves it But when I started the roller, which I've mentioned to people, and I have a program that teaches you everything, is that I didn't start the roller thinking, oh, this is going to calm my nervous system down. Mm -hmm. I just was like, I got to use this roller. And then I started to use it. And I started to be like, I got to lay on it. And then I was like, holy smokes. And then in my class, everybody started to say, I I have more patience. I'm, I'm calmer. And we were all going through this process together and it was, and I've never stopped. Yeah. Cause it's that critical. Well, your introduction to the foam roller, I have now incorporated it in my aspect of my life so much so that I bring the roller with me. I know. When I <laughs> well, when I was in, we, we met up in Florida for a quick visit a couple of years ago and you had your, uh, uh, you had forgotten your blocks, but yeah. you had your, you went out and got a roller. Yeah. And, but that's, just showing you how important certain things are. I don't travel without a roller or my miracle balls or my blocks. It's usually my blocks now. Mm-hmm. My dry brush comes with me yes. all the time. Yeah. Right. There are certain things that are just fundamental pieces that that is who I am. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I don't have them, even for a weekend, I'm missing that part of just being able to, I use my blocks to decompress and uh, Deanna is going to come in in July and we're going to have an interview. She's coming? Yeah. Well, she, yeah. Well, she, we're going to do it on Zoom. Oh, I was going to yeah. say, oh my gosh, let me oh, yeah. sit. Oh, I know. She yeah. is, oh my gosh. Like I met her uh, 18 years ago mm-hmm. and uh, she was just starting this whole company and I said, I will use them. And I literally in August, 2020 bought them and I have used them. I used them 18 months non-stop like every day and then now I still use them but it might I might skip a day but it's not a long day mm-hmm. um I have you know people that I block with and for me it was it was just that next layer beyond the rolling mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah Very see good. there's a piece of your puzzle yes, yes. there is <laughs> there's another piece yeah. the rolling and the blocking yeah. absolutely yeah and I do tell people about it yeah, I have one girlfriend where I'm like, you need to, you need to buy one of these. And then I, well, I'll bring it to the lake with me and I'll be rolling on her deck. My legs are up in the air. And, and then I'm like, do you want to try? It's like really good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have an eight year old client who, um, I, I have lots of client stories because, you know, it's not all about weight loss. There's a lot of women in pain. Yeah. It's a true. lot of women in pain. And so I've had many women because I, we, I do a lot of hand and foot classes and we roll out our feet on uh, balls. We do a lot of roller work. And this, so one of my clients is in her eighties and she was in a wheelchair. So she is now like can drop her butt to the floor in a squat. Oh, and we just roll and block together. Now, now I, we used to do weights and stuff like this, but she, she preaches, she's like, everybody, you can do this, but people are like, no, it won't work for me. It's and she's like, this was life changing for me. So it is. And it's hearing those stories, like simply rolling a ball underneath your foot 
can change all the way up to the top of your head. And people are like, well, three minutes rolling a ball under my foot. What's that going to do? Well, your feet are your foundation, yeah. right? And then it'll help your knees and it'll help your hips and it'll get, it'll get the blood flowing. And then, then you're the type of person that does this kind of thing. And then that snowballs into something else. But it's taking that first step and believing in yourself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. The cycle of life. The cycle of life. Well, I think we have talked about, I mean, we could keep talking, but I think then it would go into another half hour. <laughs> <laughs> um is there i would love for everybody like tell everybody where they can find you and if there's any just you know closing anything you want to you know let off your chest okay um well i've appreciated our time and i value our friendship i know that uh that you always put women's needs ahead right? You're constantly striving to make our lives easier. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, But if anybody would like to reach out and just have a private conversation with me, again, my name is Monica Jardine. I am at Jardine Funeral Home in Fenland Falls. Um, uh, Tanya will, uh, I guess, link a website Mm -hmm. or something like that and a phone number, but feel free. Um, It doesn't need to be intimidating. It could be as cheerful as this conversation that we've just had. (laughs) You're so personable, right? Like that, I think for me is taking some of the fear out Mm -hmm. because you're, that's just part of the process again. Yeah. So yes. Beautiful. Well, thank you. You're welcome. All right. So in the show notes, I will put the website. I will put the phone number. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please share this with your gal pals. This was such a powerful episode. So many nuggets in here. Have a beautiful day, and we will talk to you soon.